Chapter 44 of The Covered Wagon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tim Cote. The Covered Wagon by Emerson Huff. Chapter 44 Yet If Love Lack. Winding down out of the hills into the grassy valley of the upper Sacramento, the little pack train of Banyan and Jackson, six hardy mules beside the black horse and Jackson's mountain pony, picked its way along a gashed and trampled creek bed. The kayaks, which swung heavy on the strongest two mules, might hold salt, or lead, or gold. It all was one to any who might have seen and the two silent men, the younger ahead, the older behind, obviously were men able to hold their counsel or to defend their property. The smoke of a distant encampment caught the keen eye of Jackson as he rode, humming carefree the burden of a song. "'Oh, then, Susanna!' admonished the old mountain man, and bade the said Susanna to be as free of care as he himself then and there was. "'More men coming in,' he said presently. "'Wonder who them people is, and if it's peace or war. Three men. A horse band. Two Indians. Go in easy, Bill.' Banyan slowed down his own gait. His companion had tied the six mules together, nose and tail, with the halter of the lead mule wrapped on his own saddle-horn, each man now drew his rifle from the swing-loop, but they advanced with the appearance of confidence, for it was evident that they had been discovered by the men of the encampment. Apparently they were identified as well as discovered. A tall man in leggings and moccasins, a flat felt hat over his long gray hair, stood gazing at them, his rifle butt resting on the ground. Suddenly. He emitted an unearthly yell, whether of defiance or of greeting, and springing to his own horse's picket pin, gathered in the lariat, and mounting bareback, came on his rifle high above his head, and repeating again and again his war cry or salutation. Jackson rose in his stirrups, dropped his lead line, and forsook more than a hundred and fifty thousand dollars, some two mule pack loads of gold. His own yell rose high in answer. "'I told you all the world would be here,' he shouted back over his shoulder. "'Do we see the old thief Jim Bridger? Him I left drunk and happy last summer? Now what in hell brung him here?' The two old mountain men flung off and stood hand in hand before Banyan had rescued the precious lead line and brought on the little train. Bridger threw his hat on the ground, flung down his rifle, and cast his stoic calm aside. Both his hands caught Banyan's, and his face beamed, breaking into a thousand lines. Boy, it's you, then. I'd know your hoss. He has no like in these parts. I've traced ye by him this hundred miles below and up again, but I've had no word this two weeks. Mostly I've seed that when ye ain't looking for a but are, thar he is. Well, here we are, fine and fattin', and me with two bottles left of uh, something they call cognac 
down in Yerba Buena. Come on in, and we'll make medicine. They dismounted. The two Indians, short, deep-chested, bow-legged men, went to the packs. They gruntled as they unloaded the two larger mules. The kayaks were lined up, and the mantis spread over them. The animals led away for feed and water. Bridger produced a ham of venison, some beans, a bannock, and some coffee, not to mention his two bottles of fiery fluid, before any word was passed regarding future plans or past events. "'Come here, Jim,' said Jackson, after a time, tin cup in hand. The other followed him, likewise equipped. "'Heft this pannier, Jim.' "'Uh-huh. Well, what of it? What's enter it? Not much, Jim. Just three, four hundred pounds of gold settin' there in them four packs. It ain't much, but it'll help some. Bridger stooped and uncovered the kayaks, unbuckled the cover straps. It's a true fact, he exclaimed. Gold. If it ain't, I'm a putrefied liar, and that's all I got to say. Now, little by little, they told each two other the story of the months since they had met bridger first explaining his own movements i left the malheur at boise and brung along yan two boys you needn't be skeered they'll touch the cargo the gold means nothing to em but horses does we've got a good band to drive north now some we bought and most they stole but no rancher cares for horses here and now we come through the Klamaths, you see, and on south, the old horse trail up from the Spanish country, which only the Injuns knows. My boys say they can take us to the head of the Willamette. So you did get the gold, eh, sir? said Bridger, his eyes narrowing. The tip the gal give you was a good one? Yes, rejoined Banyan, but we came near losing it and more. It was wood, old Jim. He followed us in. Yes, I know. His wagons was not fur behind ye on the Humboldt. He left right after ye did. He made trouble, huh? He'll make no more? Is that it, huh? Bill Jackson slapped the stock of his rifle in silence. Bridger nodded. He had been close to tragedies all his life. They told him now of this one. He nodded again, closed-lipped. And ye wants courts and the settlements, boys? He said. For me, when I kill a rattler, that's enough. If you're touchy and want your record clean, why, we can go below and fix it. Only thing is, I don't want to waste no more time than I can help, for some of them horses has a record that ain't maybe so plumb clean their own selves. You ain't going out east. You're going north. It's easier, and a month or two closer, with plenty of feed and water, the old Cayuse Trail, huh? So Sam Whittle got what he's been looking for so long, he added presently. Well, that simples up things some. He'd have got hit long ago on the plat, if my partner hadn't been a damn fool, confirmed Jackson. He was where we could have buried him natural in the sands. I told Will then that Whittle had murdered him the first chance he got. Well, he did. Er, if he didn't, hit wasn't no credit to either one of them two. Oh, what differ does it make, Bill? remarked Bridger indifferently. Let bygones be bygones, huh? 
That's the pleasantest way since he's dead. Now here we air with all the gold there ever was molded, and a whole two bottles a cognat left, which takes holt in him most and better in Hudson's Bay rum. Ain't it a pretty little old world to play with, all with nice pink stripes around it? He filled his tin, broke into a roaring song. There was an old widder which had three sons, Joshua, James, and John, and one got shot, and one got drowned, and the last one got losted and never was found. Ain't it funny, son, he said, turning to Banyan with cup uplifted, how stiff liquor allus makes me remember what I done forgot. Now Kit told me that at Laramie, for I'm going out to Oregon with the washpan on my knee, chanted Bill Jackson, now solemnly oblivious of most of his surroundings, and hence not consciously discourteous to his friends. Susanna, don't ye cry. They sat, the central figures of a scene wild enough, in a world still primitive and young. Only one of the three remained sober and silent, wondering if one thing lacked, why the world was made. End of chapter 44 Recording by Tim Cote of Santa Maria, California February 4th, 2013